An ADHD brain can propel you to success in the right environment. You see, ADHD brain traits have survival value in that hunter-gatherer cultural. So noticing changes in your environment, that's vital to catching prey and avoiding threats. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Well, hello there. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. My name is Dr. Caitlin Harkis. If we have not already connected, I am so honored to be dropping into your earbuds today, particularly so as it is October. It is October 2022. And October is ADHD Awareness Month. So in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you a bit about ADHD, and I'm going to be sharing it from a strengths-based perspective, from an evolutionary framework that proposes the ADHD brain might actually be an evolutionarily driven adaptation for hunters, gatherers, explorers, that there are actually benefits of having an ADHD brain. Now, ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder, which I'll define through the course again of this episode. However, something to jump in with first that I do think is relevant as we dive in is that I have an ADHD brain myself. Now, we would say, Well, it is factually an adult diagnosis, which is relevant. However, there was definitely, definitely signs growing up. And in fact, I had a number of tests to try and figure out what was wrong with me, Um, you know, governed by the individuals who were really trying to support me and help me uh, succeed in in a traditional sense. And what we're going to be talking about is that traditional sense, that traditional classroom, how it doesn't necessarily work for the ADHD brain. Now, I know that might feel like a drop in here. And at some point in some um, episode, maybe near or far, I'm happy to dive in a little bit more to my experience with ADHD. However, I want to do so in a way that's actually relevant and helpful. And I haven't had the forethought to plan out how that might look. I know it's connecting. So it is something that's on my radar. Right now, I want to ensure that I am upskilling you. If you have an ADHD brain, suspect you might have an ADHD brain, maybe on the spectrum because I don't believe that this is black and white or if you know someone in your life who has this brain and the way Tom Hartman proposes it is that it is as his book is called ADHD a hunter in a farmer's world so Tom essentially came up with this perspective that the ADHD brain is more the hunter's brain in other areas we call it the explorer brain the adventure brain now this was something that was originally proposed by some Someone who wasn't scientifically trained. So Tom himself was a radio presenter. However, 
However, what is really cool, and this speaks to his ADHD brain's creativity, is that more and more evidence is suggesting that in fact, there is evolutionary benefit to this brain, to the ADHD brain, and that this might fit with different cultural elements in terms of hunters or what we call as farmers shorthands. Now let's dive in and I would love if any questions do come up through the course of this episode, through the course of this conversation, please flick them to me. Like I said, October ADHD Awareness Month and it is something that is close to my heart, close to my brain, in my brain, and I would love to answer questions and make sure that it's a resourceful and enriching month for you as I love exploring these elements. So perhaps you found yourself at a red light watching your takeaway coffee roll down the windshield because you've left it on the car roof again. Or maybe you too feel like a magpie as you're frequently drawn away from tasks by shiny new projects, careers, organizational systems, none of which will become implemented. Yet, when you get stuck into something, you go deep for hours, rarely surfacing to eat, drink, visit the toilet, or even sleep. All of these are signs that you're a hunter living in a farmer's world. And no, not literally. You can be full vegan and still have a hunter's brain. Hunters often meet the criteria for attention deficit hyperactive disorder, as we mentioned, so ADHD. It's an utterly misleading name. An ADHD brain can propel you to success in the right environment. You see, ADHD brain traits have survival value in that hunter-gatherer cultural. So noticing changes in your environment, that's vital to catching prey and avoiding threats. Slow decision-making would leave you open to becoming a tiger's lunch or missing the chance to catch your meal. Complete immersion in a hunt without concern for your bodily functions is vital for success. While being drawn away from the safe and mundane towards novelty opens new territories and opportunities. We might call this the hunter brain or the explorer brain as our ancestors were spurred to cross oceans and lands. The challenge for adventure-seeking hunters is that we live in a farmer's world. And in fact, we've clinically termed these explorer traits as distractibility, impulsivity, time blindness, hyperfixation, and risk-taking. The dominant sociocultural explanation is that you shouldn't be distracted by your environment or become bored by repetitive tasks or slow moments. Instead, you must always focus on the long term, paying attention to all the details and be risk averse. And sure, in a lot of settings, these are valuable skills. However, there are many areas in our world where hunters can excel. For example, the entrepreneurs, creatives, sales folks, to name a few. Anyone who is able to immerse themselves in their area of what we can call hyperfixation or what I like to call delight is well poised. These hunter minds were likely the secret sauce of Thomas Edison, Albert Einstein, Salvador Dali, and more recently, Simone Beals and Richard Branson. So you can see our world really does need these adventurous brains, these curious brains. 
Unfortunately, formative life experiences of hunters often result in developing negative core beliefs about themselves or what we call maladaptive schemas, namely a sense of low self-worth. So exhibit one, the classroom. I alluded to this before. It's an environment where children are expected to sit under fluorescent lights and direct their attention to whatever the teacher is teaching, regardless of interest, all the while resisting the urge to fidget, to run around, or to daydream. Rather than learning maths, hunters learn that they're defective, a failure, that they'll be abandoned if they ask for what they need, and that nobody will ever understand how they feel. If you're a hunter, you might even feel an ever-present sense that at some point, everyone's going to find out just how flawed you are. This is a massive tragedy, and a large part of my therapeutic work today involves supporting hunters to cultivate environments in which they can excel and to challenge those unhelpful beliefs that developed in the context of difficult environments growing up. So psychological strategies are naturally another element of my work, and they can influence you neurologically and your neurochemical states. So depending on your needs, such as skills and practices can circumnavigate or complement medication if that's something that you utilize as treatment. So what I'm going to do now and in the course of this episode is to introduce you to a few game-changing strategies that you have undoubtedly heard about. You've certainly heard about from me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, but you may not be practicing. You know, I really do believe that knowledge supports motivation. And what we're going to be talking about now, giving you a little bit more motivation for practice is meditation. So meditation actually cultivates attentional control. It boosts mood and decreases anxiety all without sacrificing the strengths, because there are beautiful strengths of the ADHD brain. Focused attention is a really practical choice. So you might've heard of open attention, open awareness meditation. This is where you really expand your awareness out to notice all the sensory input. Focused attention is more practical for the ADHD brain because it brings the mind to, for instance, one focus point, be it the breath, a sound, a sense in the body, or even a mantra repeating a particular word or sound. So this is a very different experience from that quickly shifting attention of the ADHD brain, and it improves attentional control and focus while cultivating a sense of calm and relaxation. The beauty of neuroplasticity is that you can rewire your brain to support a sense of space from busyness without losing the energy and the adventure, which is, as I said, delightful. This is in part because of the enhanced dopamine levels that are actually associated with this practice of focused meditation. So specifically focused meditation, the research here. Now, mindful movement is another helpful style of meditation for the ADHD brain. So this might be yoga practice, right? It might be mindful walking, rock climbing, or Tai Chi. You can really use any form of movement that allows you to coordinate a movement goal with sensory motor feedback whilst engaging in a mindful exploration of the movement experience. 
So in addition, this meditation element involves you bringing together a multitude of sensory experiences, and this really suits the ADHD brain for maintaining attention, right? So increasing your heart rate then comes into action with this movement and maybe another benefit. Exercise is ultimately the number one, and I'm serious, like above and beyond medication, above and beyond any sort of intervention, exercise is the number one tool for the ADHD brain. And this is because it enhances endorphins, those feel-good hormones, but also, or feel-good neurotransmitters, dopamine. Dopamine supports attention. It supports you cultivating focus. So move your body, please move your body. And if you have to choose between a seated focused attention meditation and movement, do both, do mindful movement, please. So allowing yourself to actually utilize these practices supports you in cultivating neuroplasticity in your brain that circumnavigates some of the challenges that we do see showing up in brain scans and the likes associated with ADHD. Another really interesting element is that with ADHD, we often see increased emotional reactivity, emotional intensity seemingly. But the research, as I was kind of exploring the research, I was going through the research and trying to figure out what this is stemming from. It looks like this is related to the parasympathetic nervous system. What I mean by this, you have your autonomic nervous system. Autonomic means automatic. This includes your central nervous system, which is your brain, your brain stem. And then we have part of it that responds to fight and flight, to panic, your sympathetic nervous system. We also have your parasympathetic nervous system. So this is the part that responds when you're safe, when you feel secure. There is not a difference between the ADHD experience of the sympathetic nervous system and the neurotypical experience, meaning these two um, brains, two bodies experience the same reaction in a stressful situation. What appears to be different is how quickly the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest response comes online for the ADHD brain. So what is suggested is that there is decreased vagal tone. The vagus nerve is the primary nerve of the parasympathetic nervous system. It really governs the parasympathetic nervous system. It tells the body to flip, to turn on that parasympathetic nervous system to help us soothe after a stressor. We're seeing less vagal tone associated with ADHD, which means that it's just more difficult to then soothe. And that this is what accounts for that increased emotional reactivity. So what we're seeing is that there's increased reactivity as a result of not being able to slow that response, to turn off that response, to self-regulate. So being able to increase vagal tone then becomes really important for someone who might be on the ADHD spectrum. 
Vagal tone can be cultivated through meditation, it can be cultivated through exercise, any time where we are essentially cultivating the conditions for relaxation response in the body help us strengthen vagal tone. Whilst there is a host of research missing in this area in terms of the etiology of ADHD, there's loads of research on how we cultivate vagal tone, on how we induce a relaxation response. So this is why I think it's really useful to have a bit of a sense as to what underpins the experience of ADHD and why we should do these practices please, please consider community as well. And I, I, of course, you know, finding um, what some have termed like neuro friends, finding individuals whose brains are similar and there's this equal sort of energetic um, connection, vitality that comes with that sense is beautiful, but I mean more like to practice in community. If you can get to a group meditation or a group yoga class or rock climb um, around others, whatever it is that's your mindful movement, whilst this might not be all the time, it's really helpful because when you are in community of other individuals doing the same activity, you, as someone who very much responds to their surroundings, are going to pick that up and there's going to be focus that's naturally cultivated in that. That's really useful in terms of structuring, training your brain at home. Oh, the laundry is going to call out. Those plates are going to call out. You're going to notice the dust bunnies on the floor. See if you can get out maybe once a week at least to a meditation hall or a yoga class so that you can be one step closer to more easily harnessing the power of that hunter mind of yours. And just remember, please remember, the intention is always to sharpen the hunter brain of the ADHD. It is not to get rid of the ADHD. It is not to get rid of you. Hyper-focus, creativity, and adventure are beautiful skills. The disordered element of the ADHD label, is, it's really problematic, it's challenging. I don't think it's particularly helpful. Although I understand that when we are trying to fit ourselves into a farmer's society, when we don't get control of the classroom that we're operating in, or you know, even the, the job that we might need to be able to support our lifestyle or the degree that we might want to get in order to take us a step closer to where we want to go, those are really challenging situations where we don't really get that choice of control over our environment. And I get that that is 100% problematic. I've been there. So please seek the resources, the support you need to, to get through those difficult environments. I very much hope that that will then support you, empower you as you move move through to then cultivate an environment that is conducive to your well-being, to seek supports, and to be able to advocate because you deserve resourcing. You deserve supports where you have struggles. <laughs> we can all work together in community. Where would we be without Thomas Edison, without Einstein, without these beautiful brains that help us transform our world? We are very blessed for the neurodiversity in our world. And I wish you ADHDers well this October. Bye for now. And please tune in next week. Send me any questions, comments that you might have. I'll be at Dr. Caitlin on the socials and at drcaitlin.com for the show notes and other ways to connect. Ciao. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.